his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, mom and dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Welcome to the Esme Murphy Show. I'm John Hinderocker filling in for Esme tonight. We've got a really fun show coming up. It's going to be pretty heavy on Minnesota politics. And so if you want to weigh in, uh, give us your opinion, uh, please call. We'll be, we'll be asking for calls uh, in just a few minutes. We've got three candidates for governor slated as guests tonight. We've got uh, Tim Pawlenty coming on at the bottom of this hour. We've got Tim Walls coming on at the top of next hour. And then we've got uh, Jeff Johnson coming on at about 8.30. So uh, we've got some great guests. Uh, we've got some, some uh, interesting political topics to be talking about. And we want to get your questions and your comments on what's happening in Minnesota politics and in particular – What's happening on this very important race for the open governor's seat in 2018? But before we before we do that, before we get to uh, the political scene and then the race uh, for governor and, and and so forth, I want to start with a different topic, and that topic is Twin Cities traffic congestion. I drove down to the WCCO studio tonight. I live about 20 miles from here. And I left about an hour and a quarter because I wanted to make sure that I had plenty of time to battle the traffic and find the best route to downtown Minneapolis with uh, Highway 35W closed between uh, between the Crosstown and uh, and downtown. And as it turned out, I I came up Portland and up Park, and and I had uh, and I had plenty of time. But everybody knows uh, that at the moment, uh, traffic congestion in the Twin Cities is at disaster levels. To get to my office in the morning, I drive uh, west on Highway 494. And anybody who drives on Highway 494 at any time of the day or night uh, knows what I'm talking about. Uh, It is uh, remarkably congested, slow, hard to get any place. And, and I think a lot of us um, experience that congestion, and we experience it all year, but particularly in the summertime. And I think it's common for people to say, well, it's construction. Uh, that's why you can't get anywhere. It's because uh, they're, they're doing work on Highway 35W, and for some years they were do- doing work on 494, and, and construction is going on all over the Twin Cities area in various, in various locations. And, of course, it's true that construction makes traffic congestion worse. There's no doubt about that, and we experience that uh, every construction season. But the thing that I think a lot of people uh, don't really think about or, or, or don't realize is that construction is not the only problem, and it isn't really the, the root of the problem. Uh, the, the underlying problem is that we don't have, a road and highway system that is sufficient for the traffic that it needs to bear. 
And, of course, we have to maintain the roads, and, of course, we have to do construction uh, when the weather permits it. And, of course, that construction will make traffic congestion worse. But the construction isn't the problem. The problem is the underlying system of roads and highways. And when you close down a lane or two in the summertime, it takes what's always a congested situation and makes it much, much worse. So I want to talk about that a little bit. And if you want to weigh in, uh, congestion is something that most of us, I think, have got pretty strong feelings about. Uh, Give us a call. In the metro area, you can call 651-989-9226. That's 651-989-9226. If you're in greater Minnesota, you can call toll-free 866-989-9226. And you can text us at 8180 Seven. We're anxious to hear from you. I want to just give you a little information, a little data here about traffic in the Twin Cities because it's, it's, uh, it's data that uh, a lot of people are not aware of. If it, if it seems to you that the congestion situation is getting worse, you're right. The number of hours that the average Twin Cities driver wastes sitting in traffic quadrupled between 1982 and 2014. You heard that right. It quadrupled between 1982 and 2014. If you've lived in the Twin Cities for a while, uh, the impression you probably have that that driving here has gotten worse is absolutely correct. Congestion is expensive. Uh, there's a report, and, and for those of you who don't know me, my, my day job is that I am the president of the uh, Center of the American Experiment. And, and we produced a report uh, last year. Uh, it was done by a transportation expert named Randall O'Toole. And the title of the report is uh, Twin Cities Traffic Congestion. It's no accident. And you can go to mncongestion.com uh, and you can uh, read that report. You can read a fact sheet there and learn more about the, the problem. But one of the things that Randall O'Toole calculated in this report is that traffic congestion costs uh, Twin Cities drivers and Twin Cities businesses about $4 billion a year. That's in wasted time and increased costs to our businesses, $4 billion a year. You know, in in, in Minnesota, we tend to be uh, very proud of ourselves, rightly so, and and we tend to think that in most things, Minnesota is number one, and the Twin Cities are number one, or if not number one, at least at least close to the top, certainly above average. But the reality is that many cities, many metropolitan areas around the country don't experience the kind of congestion uh, that we do here in the Twin Cities. Uh, there are a handful of places where it's worse, of course, but there are many more places where it's not as bad. And why is that? Why is it that some cities have less congestion, others have more? Well, one comparison that Mr. O'Toole did in the report that I just mentioned on Twin Cities traffic congestion is between the Twin Cities and the Kansas City, Missouri metropolitan area. And those metro areas are roughly similar size. We're a little bigger we're both Midwestern cities out in the middle of the prairie without a lot of natural obstacles to, to make uh, uh, traffic difficult. 
And yet there's a fundamental difference in the adequacy of the highway and road system that they have in Kansas City compared to what we have here in the Twin Cities. And in fact, in the Kansas City metropolitan area, they've got almost exactly twice as many lane miles per million residents as we have in the Twin Cities, almost twice as much road and highway capacity per person. Now, you hear, you, you hear some people say, well, building highways doesn't matter. You can't build your way out of congestion. Uh, that's, that's one that I think our own agencies have sometimes used here in Minnesota. But the fact is that having a more adequate highway system and more adequate road system does indeed relieve congestion and allow traffic to move more freely. And in fact, uh, the average speed of travel in the Kansas City metropolitan area is about 40 miles per hour, whereas the average speed of travel in the Twin Cities metropolitan area is only about 29 miles per hour. So if you've, if you've been to Kansas City lately, you've probably noticed the difference. Uh, if you haven't, uh, there's a big difference between averaging 40 miles an hour when you're, when you're driving in a metropolitan area and averaging 29 miles an hour. So there are, uh, there are a number of areas around the country that are similar in size to the Twin Cities uh, that have handled their congestion problems quite a bit better, frankly, uh, than we have. If you want to weigh in on this, give us a call. Uh, if you're in the metropolitan area, 651-989-9226. Greater Minnesota, toll-free, 866-989-9226. And you could text. Text your views to 81807. Another uh, metropolitan area that, that Randall O'Toole compared with the Twin Cities in, in his report last year is Indianapolis. In 1982, uh, Indianapolis, the metropolitan area, uh, was more congested than the Twin Cities metropolitan area. Since that time, the population growth in the Indianapolis area has been about double the population growth here in the Twin Cities. We're actually a rather low growth area. But even though their population growth has been almost double ours in the years that have gone by since 1982, our rankings on the congestion meter have flipped. And now the Twin Cities have become more congested than the Indianapolis uh, area. And so we, we have a problem here. And it's not the same problem everybody else has. And it's not a problem that's only in the summertime when there's construction going on. It's a problem of not having the roads and highways that we need to keep the traffic flowing smoothly with the uh, uh, traffic that we have got. I'll toss out one more statistic, uh, one more fact that, uh, uh, that you, may find, uh, you may find surprising. The American Transportation Research Institute has uh, – and by the way, they are the arm of the uh, – the research arm of the American Trucking industry. They've identified the 100 worst bottlenecks in the United States, the 100 worst bottlenecks in the United States. Now, if you think about the places in the United States where the traffic is the worst, you probably think of places like New York, uh, maybe Boston, certainly Southern California. If you've ever driven there, you'd assume that the Los Angeles area has got to be near the top. But in fact, the Twin Cities metropolitan area has five 
of the 100 most congested driving spots in the United States. That is more than they have in the New York City metropolitan area. It's more than they have in the Chicago metro area. It's more than they have in the Los Angeles metropolitan area. That five congested spots out of the top 100 is more than any other metropolitan area except for two, Houston and Atlanta. So we are third out of all of the metro areas in the United States in terms of the the areas, the number of areas of extreme congestion that we have in the Twin Cities. That is not uh, where we want to be. Uh, I think we can all agree that what we want, what our, what our uh, government should want, our state and local governments should want, is to relieve that traffic congestion. And yet what we find is that in recent years when construction projects are, are undertaken, frequently they don't increase road capacity they actually decrease it. And so we've been seeing construction projects, when they're finally done, uh, actually there are fewer driving lanes because, because uh, driving lanes have been replaced by bicycle lanes, which I would say and many of us would say is moving in the wrong direction. We're going to go to a break right now and then we'll return with your calls right after these messages. Welcome back to the Esme Murphy Show. John Hinderocker filling in for Esme tonight. Let's go straight to the phone lines. Let's start with uh, Antonio in St. Paul on line number one. Antonio, thanks for waiting patiently. You are on the air. Uh, thank you so, so much for taking my call. Um, I love what you, what you touched on about how our uh, our our system and our roads just can't sustain. Technical glitch here. here. Um, sorry, are you there? Antonio, fire away. Yes, sir. Okay. Um, I love what you said before about uh, how our, our roads basically just can't sustain the amount of people that live here. Uh, a perfect example of that is I was driving um, down 35E going south, and I saw the 694 east ramp. Uh, and I'm, as I'm driving, you know, it, it reminded me of a, um, the on-ramp that they have in Dallas where they go really, really tall and really, really wide and really, really long. And I'm looking at this, and I'm just thinking to myself, that's one lane. It's one lane. So if you have... You know, I, I mean, I'm not sure of the statistics, but if, if you have, let's just say, you know, 30, 40 million people and a percentage of those are is using that one lane every day, how is that? You know, I mean, it's just like it just the math doesn't work out um, that. And then also the, the 52 south or sorry, the 52 uh, north ramp is the only way that semi trucks can get from the north to the south through the city. Because the 35B, yep. like uh, whatever that that is, that's been around for ever and ever and ever, that they don't allow trucks to pass through um, from the north to the south between Highway Five and, and 94. Um, when they rebuilt that 52 interchange to 94, they made it so that you had to go way low, right, and then come up way high. So if you have a truck carrying 60,000 pounds, now you're asking that semi truck in the snow to slow way down and then. Yep. All right, Antonio. We have, we have places like that all over the Twin Cities. Thank you. I want to get on to some other callers here. Let's go to Dan in Minnetonka on line two. Dan, welcome to the program. Hi, John. Great to hear you. Um, yeah, you know, it's very frustrating as a contractor um, trying to get around town, 494, anywhere. Even in the middle of the day, it's, it's stop and go traffic many times. And I think, I think it's, well, I'm going to say it. I think it's left-wing 
ideologies that have permeated all of our governments that light rail is the answer for utopia, and there couldn't be more wrong. Well, I, I, know, I think I think there's an toggle. effort, frankly, you know, to to drive us out of our cars because it's so miserable to try to get anywhere in favor of, I guess, what to trains and buses and bicycles. Let, let's go to Tim in Lake Elmo on line three. Tim, you're on the air. Thank you very much. Uh, I was back in Boston uh, last month, and they drive extremely fast. The left hand, the middle lane, they're all doing 85. That moves traffic along. I don't see that happening in Minnesota because we have so many rules and we adhere to those rules. Uh, but fast lane traffic would make a heck of a lot of sense in this, in this state. Yeah, of course, if you look at a highway like 494, you may be in the left lane, but you're probably going like, you know, two, three miles an hour, right? I mean, you can, you're not going to go 85 uh, no matter what when you get to that uh, that level of congestion. But but thank you, Tim, for weighing in. Let's take another call. And by the way, if you want to get on the air here and, and make your views known, in the metro area, call at 651-989-9226. Toll free, uh, outstate, 866-989-9226. And you can text to 81807. Let's go to uh, Sean in Bloomington on line nine. Sean, welcome to the program. Yeah, it's been a while, but I used to live in the southwest United States. I uh, grew up in, in Mesa, Arizona, and, and then 15 years later, I moved to Albuquerque, New Mexico. And we should be thankful for what we have because their freeway system is antiquated compared to here. I don't know if you've ever been in Phoenix, but... There's like one freeway that goes through and the same thing with Albuquerque. And you have never seen traffic like they have down in those two cities. So the fact that the taxes are higher here in Minnesota and the city governments have enough money to spend to update these freeways. We have so many more freeways in our city than a lot of others. And there might be a couple well, Sean, you know, there are, there, are, there are some places in the country, thank goodness, you know, that, that are more congested uh, than we are. Uh, but the fact is that uh, between 1982 and 2016, the Twin Cities went from the 35th most congested area in the U.S. to the 21st most congested. And we've got five of the 100 most congested spots in the country right here in the Twin Cities. That's more than Phoenix. It's more than Los Angeles, more than Chicago, more than New York. And I think it's it's pretty hard to argue that we've got an adequate uh, transportation system when, when we've got that kind of a record. We are going to go to a break now at the bottom of the hour. And when we come back, we are going to be joined by former Governor Tim Pawlenty. J.J. Jackson, one of my favorites. Welcome back to the Esme Murphy Show. John Hinderocker filling in for Esme tonight. We're expecting uh, Tim from Egan. That would be former Governor Tim Pawlenty to call in momentarily. But we've got a moment here, so let's uh, take one more call. Let's go to Paul and Woodbury on line one. Paul, you're on the air. Thank you, John. Uh, my point was that the Met Council has been uh, a strength and done great work relative to creating a planning architecture for our highways in the 60s and 70s with their belt lines, which are superior to cities like us in Texas, where their approach was, let's not build the roads so the people do not come, and the people came, and now there's housing there, and they cannot build the road. Did we lose Paul so, there? Yes, this is Paul. 
So kudos to, to uh, the Met Council for creating the architecture in the 60s and 70s, but a big critique of the Met Council is now they've siphoned funding out of the gas tax fund towards light rail and bicycles and are no longer supporting that architect architecture with uh, the right number of lanes. And uh, one of your previous callers talked about the pinch points you have as well, and that's because the funding isn't there because the Met Council is no longer supporting roads properly. So the, the Met Council is a strength, initial strength of the architecture and now a failure in that they're not funding the roads. Thank you. Well, Paul, I think you're right. And in fact, if you read their publications, uh, the reports that they put out, very few people actually read them. I've got to stack them about a foot high in my, uh, in my office. This is not a secret. You know, they, they make it very clear that they are trying to uh, redesign, remake the Twin Cities metropolitan area. And, uh, you know, they want us uh, not driving our cars. They want us uh, riding in trains or, or, or buses or, or, or bicycling. And a lot of us question how practical some of those alternatives are. I mean, buses are great, you know, but uh, a train only goes from, from point A to point B. And if, if point B isn't where you're going, it's not going to do you much good. The, the trains carry very, very little uh, passenger traffic and, of course, no freight traffic. And bicycles, you know, I loved a bicycle, uh, but it's not a practical way for me to get to my office and back. You know, it would, if I, if I tried to bike to my office, that would be my whole day. Biking from my home to my office, turning around, biking back. I'd probably get squashed on the highway too. So it, it, it's not a practical alternative, even in June, uh, let alone in, in January and, and February and, and March. So, um, as you can tell from the calls that are coming in, and by the way, we may have some more time here for calls. We're, we're waiting to hear from uh, former Governor Tim Pawlenty. And in the meantime, if you want to get on the air, just give us a call at 651-989-9226 in the metro area or in greater Minnesota, toll free 866-989-9226. And you can text to 81807. Let's uh, let's pick up a couple of texts. We've had some texts uh, coming in as we've been talking about transportation. Um, and uh, one of the most recent ones says, uh, not only congested, highways in horrible condition. You know, I think that's true, too. Uh, I think that uh, in addition to to not having been expanded, as I think they needed to be expanded in recent years, uh, the condition of our highways has largely deteriorated, and uh, we're seeing potholes. <laughs> Minnesota has always been known for potholes, but uh, in my view, we're seeing uh, we're seeing potholes the like of which uh, we we didn't used to uh, to experience. Let's see uh, more comments that have been uh, texted in. I'm a general contractor that moves from job to job, so driving a fair amount, it's very difficult in bumper-to-bumper traffic not to pick up your phone, etc. And I think that is, uh, is, is true, too. Uh, you know, one of the things I mentioned, the study that was done by uh, uh, Roland O'Toole for Center of the American Experiment last year, and, and Mr. O'Toole calculated that traffic congestion, which is Quadrupled. The time the average driver wastes in traffic has quadrupled uh, since 1982 here in the Twin Cities. 
And O'Toole calculated that the cost to Twin Cities drivers and businesses uh, of that of that congestion is about four billion dollars a year. And something that I think a lot of us don't think about is that if you run a business and you have uh, trucks, vehicles out on the roads, uh, making sales calls, uh, making deliveries, making service calls. The number of calls that your employees can make in a day is limited by the time it takes them to get from one place to another. And if your employees are spending a third of their day stuck in traffic uh, trying to get to their next location, the result of that is that you need more employees and more vehicles. That costs more money and that raises prices to all of us. And that is a cost of traffic congestion that – that a lot of us, I think, uh, don't generally think about. Another issue, I I think, is safety. Uh, I I was pumping gas at a gas station off uh, Highway 35 uh, uh, last fall, and I've got a bumper sticker on the back of my car that talks about traffic congestion. (laughs) And and a young woman walked, walked past me to get into her vehicle, and she gave me a thumbs up, and it took me uh, a minute to understand what she was referring to, and she pointed and said, your bumper sticker, you're right. And I said, oh, yeah, thanks. And and she kept walking and got into her vehicle. It was uh, an emergency uh, vehicle, and she was wearing uh, an emergency uniform. And and she and her partner had, had fueled up at this gas station, and, and, and now they were taking off. But think about that. Uh, emergency vehicles can get stuck in traffic just like the rest of us. And delays uh, uh, on the part of emergency vehicles in, in getting to where they're trying to go to to pick people up or get them to a hospital uh, can, can be life-threatening. So that's another aspect of the Twin Cities congestion problem that we uh, uh, don't often think about. If you want to weigh in, give us a call in the metro area, 651-989-9226. Greater Minnesota, toll free, it's 866. And then the same seven digits, 989-9226. And you can text to 81807. Let's run to a break. We're still expecting to hear from former Governor Tim Pawlenty, but he hasn't called in yet. So uh, let's take our break now, and we'll be back right after these messages. Welcome back to the Esme Murphy Show. John Hinderocker filling in for Esme tonight. We've been talking about Twin Cities traffic congestion, a topic that uh, just about everybody has got an opinion on because just about everybody experiences it on a daily basis. If you want to weigh in and make your your opinion known, give us a call in the metro area at 651-989-9226. Greater Minnesota toll-free is 866-989-9226. Got some interesting texts. I want to just read a, read a couple of them. Um, one, uh, one listener uh, texts, It's obvious if we had more traffic lanes, we wouldn't have near the congestion we do. Yeah, bikes. Why not bring back horses? Another listener texts, um, I agree with the caller about the left. We're all supposed to ride bicycles. Traffic lanes on some streets being replaced by bike lanes. This is ridiculous. 
Well, a lot of people feel that way and uh, in my experience anyway, this is something that a lot of people agree on who probably don't agree on very much else <laughs> and, and, and it seems like uh, just about regardless of what your views on other topics might be, uh, one thing that we probably agree on is that it is a really poor idea to shrink roadways in order to make uh, protected bicycle lanes. You know, people sometimes ask, uh, is it really possible to reduce congestion by building uh, more highway lane miles, more, more roadways? And the answer is yes. I mentioned earlier that uh, the Kansas City metropolitan area has got about twice the lane miles per million residents that we have here in the Twin Cities. And as a result, um, the average speed of travel in, in the Kansas City area is 40 miles an hour compared to just uh, 29 miles an hour in the Twin Cities. And, uh, uh, you know, that's, uh, that, that's a very big difference. Do we have Governor Plenty on the line now? Terrific. Uh, we are now joined by former Governor Tim Pawlenty. Governor, thanks for being on the program. Well, glad to be with you, John, and your listeners, and uh, sorry I'm a couple minutes late. I apologize. No problem. Uh, let's jump right in, Governor. Uh, you elected not to try for the GOP endorsement at the convention a couple of weeks ago. What, what was your thinking on that? Well, there are two reasons we skipped, uh, John. Number one was we got in the race late, formally announced in mid-April, and the convention was just a handful of weeks after that. So we didn't think it was realistic to prepare for a big convention endorsement battle in just a handful of weeks. Uh, and then number two, I also think it's time to open up the process. You know, at the peak of the voting at the convention, there are eight or 900 votes formally cast for the endorsed candidate. Uh, and I don't think the major parties want eight or 900 people only making that decision. So if you want more grassroots involvement, more grassroots input, a more user-friendly way for people to weigh in, you just go vote. And that's what primaries do. And that's why Primary elections are the legal way, as you know, to get on the ballot in November. So we're looking forward to the primary, by the way, for the listeners. The date of that is August 14th. Regardless of your party, there's uh, the same date. And so the Democrats have a primary, the Republicans have a primary, and you can early vote. And you can also absentee vote. So if you've got your calendar handy or your phone, mark down August 14th as voting day in the primary. Now, you were governor uh, for eight years, uh, and now after an eight-year absence, uh, you want to be governor again. Why? What's motivating you this time? Well, I've got the strength and the experience, I think, to get some big things done for Minnesota. And it's a great state. It's got enormous strengths and assets, but it faces some big challenges. So I think you need strong leaders with experience who have a clear and strong vision for the future of our state. And I think I can bring that to the table in a way that will be helpful to the state that I love. I've lived here my whole life. And uh, I think I can make a big positive difference for, for my state, and I love it. Minnesota currently has one of the highest tax burdens of any state. As governor, would you try to reduce that tax burden? And if so, how? Yeah, absolutely. As you noted, uh, Minnesota, the studies vary a little bit, but basically we're one of the highest tax states in the country. Uh, one recent study had Minnesota the third highest in income tax rates and the fifth highest in overall tax burden. And so this is a state that is clearly highly taxed, and I don't think any reasonable or fair-minded person could look at the data and say, you know, Minnesota is undertaxed. And we need tax relief in our state, no question about it. It could come in a variety of forms. One example of, among many is, is this. Minnesota is one of a small number of states that taxes Social Security income. And uh, I think if you work your can off your whole life and you get to the end of your work life, 
and you're about to enjoy your retirement, you don't need the state of Minnesota coming in and reaching in and taking a chunk of your Social Security retirement benefits, your income, uh, through taxation. And so I'd like to eliminate that taxation as one example of the type of tax relief we should have in Minnesota. Another issue that, that is important, I think, Governor, and one that we've been talking about on the program here tonight is traffic congestion in the Twin Cities. It's just terrible. Uh, as governor, is there something that you can help to do about that? Absolutely. And, and we also need infrastructure across the whole state. I've been traveling the state, and there's a lot of concern in greater Minnesota about their lack of access to modern, capable, safe infrastructure in various parts of the state as well. And so one thing we can do is stop wasting or underutilizing current resources, John. And so instead of having certain large, uh, very expensive to build, very expensive to maintain transit systems that aren't uh, delivering return on investment, that it, resources should be used for adding more lane capacity, which is where and how uh, most Minnesotans get around. And uh, number two, we need some more resources. And I don't think the Republicans, including me, are going to be very excited about raising taxes in that regard. But one idea I like that would put more resources into the transportation pot is dedicating the current sales tax on auto services and auto parts in Minnesota into the Highway Trust Fund, and that would significantly boost transportation funding in Minnesota. And as you think about some of the choke points uh, around our metro area and around the state, some of these choke points can be relieved with some and this is never going to be perfect, but they can be improved with some pretty modest modifications. And so uh, you saw when, uh, for example, the bridge fell in Minneapolis, they put up some temporary lanes and it, and it really helped. And those got up pretty quick and pretty economically. And with a little more engineering, those could be permanent lanes, or, or not those precise lanes, but those like it in around choke points. When you were governor before, in the early years of the century, uh, Governor Pawlenty, uh you actually did oversee increased highway spending, and it did make a difference in, in Twin Cities congestion. No question. And uh, you know, I mean, when you build more capacity, you have more people driving more miles and a more increasing population. And so the capacity for people to drive in terms of our road capacity needs to increase you know, in a commensurate and proportionate way. And it's been lagging behind, but there was absolutely more resources put in over the last 10 years, and we still have not really uh, solved the problem in a way that I think most people would find satisfactory. Now, in recent years, of course, currently the whole U.S. economy is doing very well, uh, and in recent years, Minnesota's economy has done okay. But as I think you realize, Governor, there are a lot of states whose economies have grown faster than ours. Uh, beyond uh, trying to reduce the tax burden and relieving traffic congestion, what else uh, do you have in mind to try to get the state's economy moving faster? Well, there's a lot of things we can do, John, but if you think about uh, what do we need to get the economy to grow, it ultimately leads to what are the kinds of things that entrepreneurs and small business owners and people who get businesses to start and grow, who invent things, who build buildings, who buy capital equipment, who add employees, deploy capital, and do all of the things to not only maintain but to grow and hopefully grow at a more robust level than average, uh, the economy. And when you go talk to those people, and by the way, you shouldn't go ask the bureaucrats or the people who spent their whole life in government or politicians who never worked in the private sector. Ask people who actually do that. Ask people who go get capital take a risk, have an idea, invent, put sweat equity into it, and then do all the things I just described. Ask them what they think is important. And I tell you, I've done that. I've done it a lot over a long period of time across this whole state, including recently. And the answer is some version of get the government off my back. 
Can you do something to make the load lighter, not heavier? Can you do something to have the number of forms I've got to fill out fewer? Can you lighten the tax uh, burdens? Can you lighten the regulatory burdens? Um, those are that, that cost uh, of government or the hassle of government. The different people describe it in different ways, but it's some variation of that point. So a lighter touch from government, less regulation, lower tax burdens is all stimulative uh, and encouraging of capital deployment and economic growth in our state. And then a couple other things are also important. Um, and there's lots that it's important. It really is a stew, but a couple of key things. And next, next is workforce. We got to make sure that we have uh, our uh, folks here who are properly trained and skilled. That's great for economic growth, but it's also great for the individuals and the families. If you can't get a skill or an education that's relevant to the economy of today or tomorrow, you can't connect to the economy. Uh, you end up uh, getting kind of pushed to the curb in life in ways that are not good for you and not good for the government in terms of budgets and costs and programs. Uh, and so it's in everybody's best interest to get as many people as possible properly educated, properly skilled, so we don't leave anybody behind or as few people as po- as absolutely possible. And uh, unfortunately, that leads to a long discussion about educational reform. That's too long for this segment, but know that educational reform and accountability is a big part of it. And then very lastly, I'll just mention we have to drive down health care costs. That's a huge concern for employees and employers as well, and there's work to be done in that category too. You're in the unique position, Governor Pawlenty, of having been governor once before. If you get elected uh, this year to be governor again, are there some things you'll do differently the second time around? Well, one thing that's really changed since I last uh, was governor, well, there's lots of, that's changed, John, but the role of technology is accelerating so rapidly. And if you think about the functions of government, a lot of it is data collection, data analysis, data manipulation, data presentation, data organization, uh, and the use of data. And uh, the role of automation and, and uh, technology in all of that creates a terrific opportunity for government to be much more efficient much more cost-effective, much more user-friendly, and frankly, hopefully smaller, uh, and certainly smaller. So I think the role of technology is an exciting new way to change and improve a government, both from an efficiency and from an effectiveness standpoint. And then also, you know, other things have changed, too. I'll give you another example. When I was last governor 15 years ago, you know, T. Boone Pickens was here talking about the U.S. running out of oil and natural gas, and then new technology came on the scene, namely horizontal drilling, sometimes known as fracking, and it revolutionized the American energy debate and the American energy economy and our economy more broadly. Now we have more natural gas and more oil in our country at affordable prices that's domestically available without risk of being held captive by Saudi Arabia or the Middle East or somebody like that. And it just totally revolutionizes the economy in that sector, excuse me, but it also changes the public policy debate around energy. So those are some things that uh, you know you need to be mindful of, but you can build on in, in a go-forward basis. Governor Tim Pawlenty, thanks for being with us. We're going to run to a break now. When we come back, we'll be joined by Congressman Tim Walls. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at penfed.org slash savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. 